Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by one of the men of Moses Lake Baptist Church. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. And so if you'll allow me, I'd like to just share my heart with you tonight a little bit through this sermon. Uh, So Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and if you're willing and able, if you would stand for the reading of God's word tonight, we'll uh, just read Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 4. The Bible says, He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. And some of you, I can already tell you, like, this is missions emphasis weekend. Why are we talking about rain and things like this, the wind. I'm going to read it one more time. I, I, I believe the Lord has this for us tonight. Ecclesiastes 11.4, He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to thank you so much, Lord, for your goodness to us, and uh, Lord, for uh, your love to us. Lord, we don't deserve it at all, and yet you still uh, give us your love and continuously show it to us. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for your word, uh, the way that it speaks to us. We pray, God, that you would help us tonight, uh, Lord, to grasp uh, that which you uh, would have us to. Uh, Lord, that we would be able to uh, walk out of here uh, with more faith for you. And uh, Lord, we pray that you'd be honored, that you'd be glorified with all that's said and done. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Um, I don't know if you think this as I do, but uh, the weather is an interesting thing, uh, especially if you're from where I'm from. Uh, I'm from Oklahoma, and uh, I've legitimately experienced in my life uh, where I went through snow, rain, a hailstorm, a tornado, and an 85-degree day with 150% humidity that felt like 100 outside, and that was all within about a week and a half. And uh, the, the weather, no joke, the weather in Oklahoma is, I, the word I've always used is psychotic. It's just, it's crazy uh, in, in Oklahoma, uh, which is why Oklahoma is like no other state I've been to in this sense. In Oklahoma, people have their favorite meteorologist. For real, they have their favorite weatherman uh, in Oklahoma. Uh, If you were to go to Oklahoma and you were to mention the names Mike Morgan or David Payne, everyone knows who that is. You can ask who the governor of Oklahoma is, and most people might not even be able to tell you. Uh, You can ask them about some of the city names in the state, and they might not be able to tell you. But if you ask any of them who the weatherman is for Channel 9, they'll be able to tell you, David Payne. It's just a weird thing. It's amazing to me. And what's always made me laugh about it is uh, people's responses to the weatherman, people's responses. Uh, Some people, they would get mad at the weatherman as if they controlled the weather, not just told it. Uh, Some would get angry when they got it wrong. Well, Mike Morgan said that we only had a 20% chance of rain. Looks like a 100% chance to me. I knew I shouldn't have worn my shorts. Uh, You know, they'd get mad or angry when they got it wrong. Uh, But the person I always loved watching uh, respond to the weatherman was my mom. And the reason why is, and she probably still responds this way today, uh, but she would over-prepare. She was one of those people that if there was any sign of anything, 
she was prepared for it. I remember one time uh, she had us ready to go to the basement with a box of 500 candles, two cases of water bottles, canned food, and all kinds of pillows and blankets down there. And the tornado wasn't even coming to our town. The reason she prepared was because the weatherman said this, you never know which way these tornadoes will turn. And that was enough for her to prepare. <laughs> and it always cracks me up that when there's a possibility of snow coming, I remember even it was last year or two years ago here in Moses Lake, uh, just the possibility of snow made all the water cases go gone in Winco and Walmart like that. Uh, and, it, and it wasn't because we actually had snow coming. It was because we might have snow coming. <laughs> and before we uh, laugh too much and criticize, uh, a lot of us have done the same. <laughs> we decide not to leave the house, uh, not because there is snow, but because there might be snow. Uh, there, we don't want to get out, not because the, it is raining, but because it might start raining. Uh, and, and even some people will go as far to use it as an excuse uh, to not do things such as going to church. Well, not because it is raining or because it is snowing, uh, but because it might. And so I, I better not go to church because it looks like there might be snow or there might be rain. Uh, the simple truth is, and the text suggests to this, is that we can come up with a reason to not do something if we want to. We can. We can come up with a reason to not do something if we really want to. Uh, I, as the text suggests, it says, well, I, I don't think I should sow the seed today. Why? Well, it might get windy. Uh, I, I don't think I'm going to reap the harvest today. Why? Well, it looks like it might rain. So people who look at the wind or they regard the clouds, they're not going to fulfill what they're supposed to accomplish uh, because of something that might happen. Uh, the problem is, and, and, and stick with me, I, I believe that this, uh, this is a proverb in the middle of a text that uh, the wisest man on earth, Solomon, was writing in the book of Ecclesiastes. And this proverb suggests that we many times don't accomplish what we are supposed to accomplish because uh, we are focusing on what is probable and not on what is promised. I have some of these on slides. I'll, I'll put that one up real quick. So too many times we, we don't accomplish what we're supposed to accomplish because we're focusing on what is probable and not on what is promised. Uh, I, I, stick with me. Uh, what I mean by focusing on what is probable is this. Well, it might get windy, so I'm not going to sow. It, it might get rainy, so I'm not going to reap. Uh, they might not respond well, so I'm not going to witness to them. Uh, they, I might not have enough money at the end of the month, so I'm, I'm not going to tithe or I'm not going to give to missions. Well, my, my kids might resent church later in life, so I, I'm not going to make them come with me. You, do you see it? Sometimes we allow that which is probable to keep us from obeying God. But lack of complete knowledge is not an excuse for inactivity. Uh, we don't want, many times, we don't want to move forward until the situation is ideal, uh, where we see there's no clouds, there's no uncertainty there. We want to uh, have the, make, we want the Lord to make the path and make the, the way there uh, just all look like sunshine and roses before we take that step of faith and start uh, walking forward to follow through. We don't, we don't like the unknown, and so uh, many times in our mind we'll make up uh, possibilities or probabilities of what 
might happen that can convince ourselves to not do what we think we're supposed to do. And because of that, uh, focusing on what is probable, we many times forget what is promised. Uh, you know, looking at some of the examples I get, gave, is it probable that your kids might resent church if you make them go? Well, sure, but what's promised in Scripture? Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And now, is it possible that your coworker, friend, or family member may respond badly to you sharing the gospel with them? Sure, but what's promised in God's word? We have quite a few promises about uh, sharing the gospel. I think of uh, the Great Commission and where it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That last line, that's a promise from our Savior that when we go, we are not alone. God is with us when we go to witness. Another promise is that we have power from the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Uh, we have a promise that God will give the increase. 1 Corinthians 3 7 says, So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. The uh, Bible gives us a promise that if we go, a God will give the increase. Uh, another uh, promise we see in scripture about this is that if we sow, uh, we will reap. It tells us in Galatians 7. And verse, or Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, the last part says, For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And in Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6, it says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So next time you feel God calling you to witness, don't allow the what ifs to keep you from doing it. Uh, focus not on uh, the, the things that might happen if you go forward and witness to that person, but think about the promises that God has already given to you about that. He's with you. He's given you power to do it, and he will give the increase. You know, another one, is there a chance that you might not have money left at the end of the month if you commit to give to missions or commit to give to Ridge Point this week? Well, maybe, but instead of focusing on that, think about what God has promised about giving. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in thine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, and there shall not be room enough to receive it. God has promises about when we give, and yet so many times we allow the, the what ifs of what if I give this and I don't have that money later, uh, and we let that uh, hinder us from following through with what God has called us to do in the area of giving. You know, God's promises are sure. The Bible says that his promises are sure. So why would we cling to things that aren't? And yet, how often have you and I operated this way? 
Uh, we allow things that may or may not take place to deter us from obedience to the Lord. And, and this is the thing that gets me. Many times the reasons we come up with are not reasons that could actually keep us from accomplishing the task. Uh, I, I'm not talking about legitimate reasons tonight. Uh, I, I think of uh, health reasons and things. Obviously, if that keeps you out of church, then uh, that's a legitimate reason. Uh, but you know the reasons you come up with that are illegitimate. Uh, I don't have to go through and say, well, you made this excuse that you know when the excuses that you're making are illegitimate excuses. Uh, concerning this verse, one author put it this way. We must not look upon the difficulties that may come as things insurmountable or things that can't be overcome. The wind, though it troubles the sower, does not actually prevent him from sowing. And the cloud, though it threatens to pour its contents upon the reaper, does not stop him. Our probabilities are not such as cannot be overcome. Uh, we have promises from God to cling to. So let's quit focusing on what's probable, or could I say it this way, stop looking at the wind and start looking at the word. Stop looking at the wind uh, and what could happen uh, as it comes and start looking at the word of God and what it promises us. You want to accomplish the things of God and be blessed by him? Focus on the word of God. James 1.25 says, Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. We need to focus on those things which are promised. Another thing uh, th that when I think of looking at the wind or observing the wind and letting uh, these, coming up with excuses that uh, may keep us from doing things, uh, just because you can come up with an excuse to not do something does not change the fact that you are called to do it. Do, do, do you understand that? The fact that you can come up with a reason to not do it doesn't change the fact that you're called to do it. And I, I want us to see that. Turn to Luke chapter 14. Uh, we're going to be in a couple, uh, this passage and then in Matthew 14 in just a moment. But Luke chapter 14 and uh, a story that uh, the Lord just, just made this jump out at me <laughs> not too long ago. And it's just been a challenge to me. Luke chapter 14, Jesus is uh, there with a bunch of the Pharisees. He's in the house of a Pharisee, and, uh, and he starts to talk to them and give them uh, this story. And in verse 16, it starts, it says, Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. None of these are good excuses, by the way. Uh, and, and before too many of you men laugh, I know you've used that excuse to not do something. Well, my wife doesn't want me to, okay? So don't, don't criticize this guy too much. But uh, verse 21, it says, So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, sent to his, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. 
And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Here we see a story where a master uh, is commanding his servant to go forth and invite people to come uh, to a dinner that he has made. And the servant comes across some opposition in the following of this command. Uh, people have excuses to not come. So the servant goes to his master and tells, them, tells him the responses of the people. And the master tells him to go again to uh, other people, and he does. And I find it so interesting that no matter the response of the people, the command to the servant did not change. If you look at it, the very beginning in verse 17 of that, he sent him out. He said, go. And then in verse 21, he comes back and says, they're not coming. And he says, okay, uh, but I still have the same command to you, go. He says, go out into the highways or go out quickly into the streets and lanes. And then he comes back and says, there's still room and the command is still the same go into the highways and hedges. I, I think I could say this uh, very clearly uh, for us as well. In this story, of course, the master would be uh, J Jesus and then we would be the servant being sent out to go. And I'd say this, no matter how people respond, our command is also still the same, to go. Uh, you know, the servant, he could have come and said to the master, well, I did what you wanted me to and no one came. I'm done inviting people to this dinner. Some of you already know where I'm going with this. Uh, have you ever thought that to yourself? Well, God, I did what you wanted me to. I, I invited someone to church and they didn't come. It didn't work. I tried reading my Bible and I, it didn't grow like I thought I would. It, it didn't work. I gave my tithes and I didn't end up with a million dollars in my bank account at the end of the month. So I'm still poor. It didn't work. So I'm done. You see, that right there, that kind of mindset is what in our, our first text is calling, it would be, uh, uh, the analogy would be there of looking at the wind, uh, looking for an ideal situation to follow through with what uh, God has called us to do. Uh, looking at the clouds is needing to be in a perfect situation or a good mood when it's time to keep your commitments. But can I say this? The mood or the situation that you're in when you make a commitment is not usually the mood or situation you're in when it's time to keep that commitment. Can I say that again? The, the mood or the situation that you're in when you make a commitment is not usually the mood or situation you're in when it's time to keep the commitment. Uh, I think of revivals or being at a camp or things like that. And uh, the spiritual high is just, oh man, I'm on fire for God. And I'm going to do this. And the atmosphere is very spiritual and everyone's excited for you. And then you get to work and it's a crummy day and you're supposed to witness to this guy. You feel the Lord uh, wanting, telling you to do so. And now the situation that you're in, uh, your mood or your situation is different than when you made that commitment. And many times it's hard to follow through because of that. You may make a commitment this week to buy faith, give toward missions, or to give toward Ridgepoint. Uh, maybe like $50 a month. It may be less, it may be more. The amount isn't important uh, for this illustration. But this month, you might even be looking at this month and next month, and you're thinking, I can do that. Man, it's been a good month this month, and next month's looking to be another good month. I can do that amount, and so you commit to it. But then December is going to come around. Christmas presents are going to be bought. Traveling expenses are going to come around. And you might be looking at your situation in December and thinking, 
I'm not sure I can give that money to missions this month. <laughs> I'm not sure I can give that toward Ridgepoint this month. But that is exactly the moment you should continue to give. When God spoke to your heart this week uh, and speaks to your heart this week about giving, he already knows what December is going to look like. He already knows how he's going to provide. Don't let your situation dictate your decision. Uh, just step out by faith and keep that commitment. Don't look at what you can do now uh, and when it comes to doing these commitments. See what God wants you to do by faith. Could I say it this way? Instead of consulting the forecast, how about we consult our faith? I mean, that's why it's called a by-faith commitment, right? It's not called an as-long-as-I-can-afford-it commitment. Let's determine what we will do to step out by faith no matter what our situation or our mood is. You know, when we don't follow through with our commitments or we don't obey a command of God, usually it comes down to our own fear. When we look at our, our starting passage, uh, we look at the clouds, we look at the wind, and we're, we're uncertain about what may come. And so the reason we don't follow through with a commitment or the reason we don't uh, do the thing that the, God has called us to do is usually because of our own fear. We don't like that we can't see what the wind or the clouds are going to do, so we're fearful, and many times fear overtakes our faith. Turn to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, and I believe this illustrates very, very well what this, when fear can overtake our faith. Matthew chapter 14, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 22. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship, and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. You know what I find interesting in this story, before we go too, too much further, is Jesus sent them out onto the sea. Uh, it says that he constrained them, he convinced them, he told them to go without him. They weren't in this storm because of their own dumb decisions. They were in this storm because Jesus had sent them to it. They were obeying their assignment from God, and their assignment to get to the other side brought them to a storm, which meant they had to keep moving forward against the wind. You know, some of our assignments that God gives us are going to bring us to a point where we have to move forward against the wind. If they had watched the wind, they would have never even set out. If they had a Weather Channel app like we do, uh, they wouldn't have gone out, but they just obeyed. Instead of backing away from our assignment, as, as our starting passage illustrates, we will sometimes have to continue working against the wind. Then look at verse 25. It says, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. 
It was the last watch of the night. Uh, the Romans, they had broken the night watch up into four quarters. It would have been a 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., 9 p.m. to midnight, midnight to 3 a.m., and then 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. And so uh, just to think about this, this journey that they uh, were supposed to take to get from one side uh, where they just were uh, uh, on one side of, of Ga- the Sea of Galilee to get to where Jesus was telling them to go should not have taken this long. Uh, it, it should not take all night to get across there. As uh, those of us who were in Israel last year know, uh, it's more of a lake than a sea. It's not massive. It shouldn't have taken all night to get across. Uh, this, so the storm, think about it this way. So that means the storm most likely started in the first or the second watch of the night, depending on when they set out to sea. And so here comes Jesus to them already They've been in this storm for a while. Uh, sometimes it seems to us that's taking Jesus a little bit too long, the fourth watch of the night kind of thing. But he comes, and here comes Jesus to them, and they're scared because at first they think it's a ghost. But Jesus speaks and tells them to not be afraid because it's him. And then Peter speaks up. Look at verse 28. It says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So Peter speaks up and says, if, if it's you, Lord, call me out to come to you. Call me out upon these waters. And Jesus said, come. So Peter steps out of the boat and he starts walking on the water toward Jesus. I, I love uh, reading with an imagination and I just can't even imagine what some of the other disciples were probably thinking. Whoa, are you seeing what I'm seeing? This guy is walking on water. But then look at verse 30. It says, but talking about Peter, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Verse 30 happens, Peter saw the wind. He started observing the wind. He started focusing on the weather. I personally believe that the reason the other disciples didn't step out of the boat is because they were already looking at the wind. They were already looking at what was going on around them, but not Peter. Once he heard that it was Jesus, he was focused on him. And the instant that Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus, that was when, uh, when, when he starts to fall, when he started to look at the wind. But then when he fell, his loving Savior, Jesus, was there to pick him up. My friends, Peter had the promise of his savior that he could walk on the water to him. But when he turned his focus to the wind, instead of looking at the word, the living word, Jesus Christ, that's when he began to fall. When we consult the situation around us more than the God in front of us, we too will fall. So I'd like to challenge us tonight with a a few questions. First question would be this, what has God called you to do? For some, you're thinking of making sure you get back into your Bible reading time or about how God's calling you to pray more, and those are great things, and I praise the Lord about how God might be speaking to you about those, but can I focus this question towards our missions emphasis week? What has God called you to do in the area of giving toward missions or giving toward Ridgepoint? What has God called you to do in the area of being involved in seeing people saved here in Moses Lake and around the world? I want to challenge you with this tonight. Whatever it is, do it. (laughs) We've already talked about the fact that it is 
very easy to come up with reasons to not follow through with what God is calling you to do this week. But don't focus on all of the reasons not to. Focus on all the reasons to do it. Focus on Jesus. Focus on his word. Focus on his promises and see God do something amazing. Stop watching the wind. Stop focusing on what could happen or maybe what truly is happening. Just like Peter, you may be going through a storm right now, but instead of focusing on the wind, focus, as we said, on the word. Instead of looking at your storm, look at your Savior. I, I said tonight that I just wanted to kind of share my heart tonight through this sermon. And as we've already mentioned tonight, uh, Rebecca and I were getting sent out, our family's being sent out here at Moses Lake Baptist to start Ridgepoint Baptist Church in Wenatchee. And if I can be transparent with you as a church family, that's a scary thing. <laughs> uh, in fact, in the, in the spirit of true transparency, uh, could I just say, Rebecca and I are terrified. <laughs> uh, and I'm not going to go into a lot of details on how Satan has attacked or plant, I, I feel like will attack our spirit and our thoughts about it. But suffice to say this, there are a lot of unknowns coming up. And as I preach tonight, it would be very easy to look at things that could happen in this endeavor and allow them to hinder us in accomplishing this task that the Lord has called us to do. And uh, I had someone this week uh, ask me, they said, they said, Micah, this is a pretty courageous thing that you all are doing. How are you able to follow through with, with this big of a thing that God's called you to? And this is what I said to him. And, and I, I, I hope you understand my heart. I'm not saying this story to be like, oh, look at me and Rebecca. We're going out by faith to do this. I, I, I've already told you, we're scared to death. Uh, but, but this is what I told that, that guy. I said this, I said, Trust. Trust is how we're doing this. And he looked at me like that was just way too simple of an answer. And I shared with him the verse that God's been using in my heart through this whole process. And it's Psalm 56.3. that says, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. You see, in the Christian life, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the presence of trust. It's having trust in the one who has called us to do something despite the fear. Uh, Rebecca and I are not emptied of worries and fears in this process. We're just full of trust in an all-powerful and ever-present loving God. And we have faith in his promises. That's what God's called us to do. Uh, could I finish by asking again, what has God called you to do? What faith step is God calling you to this week? Let's determine tonight, no more excuses, no more letting things that are probable keep me from obeying God's word, no more watching the wind. I will trust my Savior. I will focus on him and his promises. I will move forward with what I'm called to do by faith. Let's determine that we will move forward with what we're called to do by faith. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this, this time in your word. God, we thank you for, again, loving us enough to give us your word. And Lord, we thank you for the way it speaks to us. We pray that tonight, Lord, that you would use your word as you've promised to in our hearts. Lord, help us to just give over to you whatever you have asked of us. God, I pray that you would use the words that have been said, Lord, just to, to draw us close to you, to encourage, and Lord, to challenge. And God, we pray that you would 
I'd be with everything else that we say and do tonight, that it would just lift you up and draw our hearts to you. We pray this on Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.